God bless you and welcome to New Vision Podcast. Our message today is being delivered by our senior pastor, Will Pena. God bless you and enjoy. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you guys? You guys are good? How's your week? Uh, yeah, that's, all I, that's all I hear. Uh, what? Uh, what? Um, we're happy to have you here. Look at someone and say, hey, good to see you. Look at someone across the room. Come on, not your, not your couple. Like somebody across the room. Say, hey, hey. You know, some, some eye contact. Say, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Um, just a couple of things. For those that are attending, if you haven't been attending, you can join us Tuesday. We have our In the Word. It's going amazing. Um, I'm with the Spanish crowd, and I know that... Uh, it's cool, you know. Some of, some of you guys were, we attempted to recruit you to kind of bring some younger blood, and only, only Robert volunteered. <laughs> There's people that, because we're doing it, the Spanish, we're doing it next door, and some people will walk in and be like, uh, this, is, this is English? I'll be like, no, Spanish, and they'll like close the door. Like, you know, what's going on? Like, you were, most of you were raised with Spanish, so what's the problem with Spanish? Anyway, Tuesday, in the Word, um, it's, it's going amazing. For those that are coming, is it, is it helping? <laughs> it's, it's, man, it's doing its thing. So Tuesday, 7.30 in the Word, and this Wednesday, we have Recharge. So we, we, get to, we have two opportunities during the week to spend time with you. Uh, as you guys know, we're in the middle, or, you know, yeah, last little leg of Waymaker. Has Waymaker been helpful for you? Two people. Has Waymaker been helpful for all of us? I think Waymaker is one of those series that you're going to look back at it and be like, oh, man, yeah, this is what Pastor meant. And I think that Waymaker is more than just believing that God can make a way, but understanding that he wants your partnership to make a way. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And today I was very challenged, um, and I shared this with the, with the Spanish crowd, uh, because when God gave me this chapter and these verses, I was like, God, you know what people are going to think? People are going to think that I didn't have time during the week to study. <laughs> people are going to think, oh, yeah, Pastor, you went and grabbed some verses that you're familiar with and that you preached about before, and... Yeah, 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 you made me drive all the way from my house and put gas in my car and take a shower and put these clothes on for you to preach about something that I've heard 77 times. No, you don't have any time. That's not my problem. That's what we're paying you for, for you to spend time with the Lord. I was like, Lord, that's all the excuses. And the Lord was like, I'm going to have you preach this until you preach it right. And I believe that the word of God is revelatory to us in, according to the season that we're living in. And I believe that if we don't read the Word of God accompanied by the discernment of the Holy Spirit, it's just a good guide to live your life. It's just a good inspirational book. It's really what it is unless, unless there's the discernment of the Holy Spirit in there. And I believe that these verses, man, they were so impactful for me. And I know and I prayed that they'll do the same for you. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Let's go. We're going to go to the book of John chapter 6. Uh, John is one of the four Gospels uh, in the New Testament. Uh, 
John is my favorite one of the Gospels because John is the only Gospel that recognizes Jesus as the Son of God. Matthew and the other boys, they talk about Jesus. They talk about, you know, all the miracles of Jesus. But John is the only one that acknowledges Jesus as God. So um, why four Gospels and most of them talk about the same thing? Because they were talking to a different audience and they had a different background. For example, John was very sentimental, very emotional. So he poured out his words and all his his, um, uh, you know, all his writings, and he was like overboard to a certain extent. Uh, but then you have Matthew, you have Luke. Luke was a doctor. So in his writings, you could tell this guy went to school. This guy is not like, mm, but, mm, eh, mm. No, no, he's like deep in his writings because he's an intellectual. So he was addressing an intellectual crowd, and he was coming from an intellectual background. But I like John, and um, we're going to go into this, and again, you probably heard this story before, but I can guarantee you, you've never heard it like this. If you believe that, say amen. amen. All right, so you ready? Yeah. Right, let's go. So sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. Remember the Sea of Galilee? Remember I talked a little bit about the Sea of Galilee? Uh, it, it is important and it is relevant because 18 of the 31 miracles that the Son of God uh, performed on earth were around the Sea of Galilee. So the Sea of Galilee pretty much is... What new vision is to Hialeah? That's right. <laughs> it's, it's where he did ministry. He did, you know, he did it around the, the Sea of Galilee. And uh, a couple of Sundays ago, I believe it was last Sunday or two Sundays, all the days look together to me. But we talked about, hey, can I use your boat, right? It was like two Sundays ago. And I believed that the reason that Jesus recruited Peter, not because he was bold, but because he had a boat. And the, the Word of God made flesh needed a form of transportation because he was doing ministry around the Sea of Galilee. And he couldn't do ministry swimming, so, and there was no Uber, so he needed a form of transportation. So he's like, hey, you, can I use your boat? And he jumped on the boat. So he was doing ministry in the Sea of Galilee, right? So he crossed to the far shore. So he was trying to get away. But he couldn't get away. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. And this is interesting because this is the first stage of following Jesus. We follow him for what he can do for us. But if you stick with him long enough, you understand that we follow him because of what he can do through us. But initially, people started, they were flocking to Jesus. They were following him because this dude, it was like a walking circus wherever Jesus went. So the multitude, the crowd, the Bible says the great crowd of people. So it wasn't 10 or 15, 20. It was a great crowd. And it followed him because they followed the signs and the wonders of what he was doing. And then Jesus, in efforts to get more away, he went up on the mountainside. So crossing to the far shore wasn't enough. People were like, <laughs> people were trying to get to him. So he climbed to the mountainside and he, and he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. So when Jesus looked up, so he's sitting down with his boys. We read that, right? Yeah. Sitting down with his disciples. So he looked up and he saw a great crowd that was coming towards him. Okay. For those that are parents of toddlers, this is pretty much, y'all can understand me here, those five minutes that you think that you're going to go take a shower and you think you have privacy and they start coming banging on the door. Those of you that don't know this will know this soon enough when you have yours. 
Jesus was trying to get away, and the crowds were like, we need you. And when Jesus looked up and saw that there was a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, hey, Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And this is my favorite verse, verse 6. He says, he asked this only to test him, for he already knew, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Came to tell you this morning that he already knows. He already knows what he's going to do. He's only asking you to test you, but he already knows. And Philip answered, I believe Philip was an accountant, because Philip said, it would take, hold on. It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each, for each one to have a bite. He made a precise calculation. He didn't say, it's gonna take two paychecks. It's gonna take. We always get logical when it comes to blessing other people. It got really quiet in the room. Y'all gotta talk back to me. When it comes to being generous to someone else, we always have to calculate. Oh, oh, there they go with that time of tithes and offerings one more time. First fruits again? Didn't we do first fruits last year? But, 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 you know, if I give this and I give that, it's going to be... Uh. See, I've always believed that generosity is not something that we're born with. Gener generosity is something that we learn along the way. Jesus asked them to test, just to test them, for he already knew what he was going to do. Another of his disciples, Andrew... Simon Peter's brother, by the way, in Spanish, el pegao, meaning that the call wasn't on him. The call was on, on Simon. He was just tagging along. Oh, my brother got called? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming too. Y'all remember the miracle? The miracle of, yeah, Mike and Shiloh. The, the, the miracle of the, of, of the multiplication of the fish that Peter started calling them and said, come, come. They all joined in because they all wanted to see the miracle, and they all left the fish behind to follow Jesus. So, so Andrew spoke up. I want you to know this is the only recorded time in the Word that Andrew speaks. And thank God he spoke. He speaks up and says, hey, here's a boy with five small barley, barley, sorry, barley loaves. Why does it make that? Barley loaves was the cheapest form of bread. It was a bread that nobody wanted. It wasn't even pumpernickel. It wasn't cheese bread. It was barley. It was like the bottom of the barrel, great value. <laughs> it was great value bread from Walmart. Five small barley loaves and two, two small, two small fish. And, but how far will they go among so many? Verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down, be humble. Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place. We're not asking for grass, we're asking for grub. There was plenty of grass, so they sat down, and the Bible says it was about 5,000 of them, men. 
They weren't even, at that, at that point in time, they didn't count women, they didn't count men, uh, children. Then Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks, and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. In Spanish, se hartaro. As much as they wanted, he did the same with the fish. Such a powerful principle in verse 11. Can you give thanks for the thing that appears to be not enough? Can you look at the thing that appears to be insufficient and be thankful for that? The Bible says that he grabbed the thing that, how long can this go, Andrew said, that very same thing that was not enough, can you give thanks for what's not enough? So when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Every blessing of God, every, ble every blessing that God gives comes without waste. Nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces. How cool. The disciples didn't bring anything, yet they get to take 12 baskets. How many disciples? 12. How many baskets? 12. They had to fill them up because the baskets were? <clears throat> so they gather them and fill the 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over, the, left over sorry, by those who had eaten. And, I preached about this, this verse and these verses before, and I have a friend that, I was sharing this morning, I have a friend that has a different belief system than I do. Um, and he believes that the Bible are, he made an acronym out of them. He said B-I-B-L-E, right? He said basic, basic instructions before leaving earth. And I'm like, just because you can make an acronym out of it doesn't mean it's true. So he's like, I believe, he was telling me that he believes that the Bible is a good starting point for you to live your life, but not that you should dictate your life by, by, the, by what the Word says. And I was telling him, uh, no, because every time I read the Word of God, there's a new revelation for my life. So I can read a verse that I've read 77 times, and today, it's different than yesterday. Today is different than 10 years ago. Today I may just need to read that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And like I said, you know, I preached about this before and I, as I was preparing for today, God spoke to me and gave me this message. And there's a, there's a Christian psychologist, her name is Brene Brown. If you were to read her books, I would highly recommend. She's a Christian psychology and she was talking about how our society today is dictated. The mantra of our society is never enough. For example, he says, we wake up in the morning and the first thing we think is, I didn't get enough sleep. We get our, <laughs> amen? <laughs> we get our direct deposit or we, we get our check and the first thing when we look at it is, this is not we go to sleep at night, and as we're falling asleep, we're, man, we didn't do. You'll have enough money, but don't have enough time to spend the money. And if you have all the time, you don't have the money to go spend. So we, we live in a society that is dictated by its, 
It's never enough. We put out so much information to the world and we have more ignorance than people with wisdom because it's never enough. It's never enough. And this gave me the title of my message that in Jesus, we have more than enough. Tell your neighbor, there's more than enough. There's more than enough. See, I thought that scarcity, I really believe that scarcity was a situation, but scarcity is a feeling. Scarcity is a mentality. And let me submit to you that I believe that's a diabolical mentality. I believe that when, when, and I'm not talking about scarcity in the financial aspect. I'm talking about do you live a life in abundance? Is your Christian walk in abundance? Is there abundance of joy? If there's a, is there abundance of peace? Is there abundance of purpose? Or you just wake up another day in the calendar, go to sleep, wake up purposeless. You're going nowhere. You have no north, no direction for your life. You don't know that question they ask you in, in the interview, very popular. Where do you see yourself in five years? We answer, you know, we Google an answer and bring it in our head. And, but truly, where do you see yourself with Christ? Do you see yourself in scarcity or do you see yourself in abundance? And I believe that the promises of God are optional. And I know that it is, this is theologically challenging for some of us. What do you mean? Well, these are the promises of God, Pastor. What are you talking about? Yeah, but the promises of God come with a principle. And if you're not able to fulfill that principle, you can't live in that promise. Everybody say amen. If you want peace, God promises peace. But he says, keep your eyes focused on Jesus, right? He, he promises to uh, bless your life financially. He talks about sowing. See, every promise of God comes with a principle. He says, you want to live long? Honor your father and your mother. See, there are promises, but those promises are optional. And we believe that there's something that we just earn just by, by breathing. And the interesting thing about this miracle is that this is the only miracle apart from the resurrection of Christ that is registered in all four Gospels. And you would think, I mean, I would think if, if it was, we were qualifying them by importance, I would have said, you know, the resurrection of Lazarus. I would have said, you know, uh, you know him healing the, the blind or all these little girls that he brought to life again. But there's such a powerful principle in this that the Lord wants us to understand. And it's just five loaves of bread, two small fish. And today I just want to give you three principles that I believe that you've, if you were to view your life through, through this perspective, you could see God manifesting in your life. Are you ready? Yes. All right, my point number one is that your greatest opportunities will come in the most inconvenient times. Your greatest opportunities will come in the most inconvenient times, and I'll prove it to you. Verse 1 and 2. Sometime after this, sometime after what, Pastor? Well, let me give you some background. The reason that Jesus and his boys were trying to get away is because a few days before that, John the Baptist was decapitated by the king. So they were trying to regroup as a unit. They were like, okay, we need to... They're trying to kill all of us. So Jesus 
He said, it says he crossed to the far shore. In other words, I want to get far from you. Right? And not only that, he, he climbed to the mountain. In other words, they were hiding or they were trying to hide. And this was not a convenient time at all. And I think that sometimes we believe that the way that God is going to bless us, that the way that we're going to bless people is in in inconvenient times. When you have money laying around, when you have time in your hands. But let me submit to you this morning that your greatest opportunities will come in the most inconvenient times. See, the word that you need in your life is the one that makes you uncomfortable. The preaching that you need in your life is the preaching that you don't say amen to. (laughs) Because it's one thing to lean in when you feel Pastor Will is talking to your wife or to your spouse or to your husband. You're like, you better listen to Pastor Will. He said that you're not listening. And one thing is when that word is confronting you, you don't lean in, you lean back. The word, that, that, the word that you truly need in your life is not the word that comforts you. It's the word that makes you cross your hands and be like, whoa, I don't know what Pastor Will was talking about. I came for a blessing this morning. I didn't, I didn't come to be told what to do. I got... That's the word that you need. Your greatest opportunities, if you think about it all throughout Scripture, all the miracles that Jesus did, they came in the most inconvenient times. And it's possible that you're not in the best situation today. You may not have the money that, you know, you have the excess of money or uh, you may not be in a comfortable situation in your life, but he's confronting you and asking you today, do you depend on what you see or do you depend on what you know? See, the mistake that disciples made is that they were going by this and not by this. See, I don't know if you guys pay attention to what the worship team says every Sunday. I hope you do. I pray that you do. Because many times they have to kind of like push you guys to worship because sometimes you guys worship depending on how you're feeling. See, and we worship God not because of how we're feeling, but what we know. So we know, for, we know that he's good even if I don't feel that he's good. We know that he's able even if we don't feel that he's able. So... It's not about feeling, it's about knowledge. That's why he talks about the renewal of the mind. Because it's what we know that matters. And it's crazy because the Bible says that he already knew what he was going to do. So I said, why ask? If you already got this covered, Lord, why are you asking me what I want to do? He wanted to know where their heart was. He wanted to know the perspective they had. And... It's crazy because, remember, I said that this miracle is recorded in every gospel. This is what Matthew 14, 15 says. So as the evening approached, the disciples came to him. They were like, hey, um, old master, this is a remote place, which backs up what I said earlier. They were trying to get away, a remote place. Does that make sense? All right, so this is a remote place. And uh, it's already getting late, you know. Sun's coming down. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages. They can stop in the drive through of McDonald's, Pollo Tropical. Send them away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves 
some food, there will always be the temptation to dismiss the very same thing God wants to use in your life. Can I preach for a moment? They wanted to follow Jesus for the favor. Y'all remember that? They wanted to follow Jesus to be witnesses of the miracles that he did to see uh, people being resurrected, to see the blind man, you know, regain vision. And at the first opportunity for them to see what they prayed for, their initial reaction is this. Can you give God thanks for the thing that appears to be not enough? See, we pray, God, use me. I want to be used by you. Don't look me over. I'm waiting for you, broken. I want to be used by you. And when the opportunity comes to be used by God, we want to send the crowds away. When it gets inconvenient, because I'll tell you this, if the miracle was for them, they'll be all in. Mm. This is the thing with our human condition. We can... When we are around God, and it's for us, it's all gravy, but when it's about other people getting blessed, send the crowds away. When it's about your service here in the church so other people can be blessed, uh, uh, I got my life and I got uh. And you know what's crazy? That Peter didn't pack a sandwich. Y'all read what I read? It said that the Bread and the fish came from somebody else. So they were pushing the miracle away. Not only they were pushing the miracle away, they were pushing their grub away. Because what happens if the boy doesn't show up with the bread and the fish? Y'all too quiet for me. See, our first temptation when we're in inconvenient times is to push what God wants to push through you away. At the first sign of things getting difficult, I can't do this, I can't do this. That's what my prayer is. I want to develop people and I pray for people that are rooted in what they believe. When you're rooted, it doesn't matter when the winds come, it doesn't matter if the situation is difficult. How can they be ignorant of bread when they're standing in front of the bread. How could they feel they were lacking bread when they're standing in front of the bread of life? Dismiss them. They came up with all the excuses. It's getting late. It's a lot of people. There's no food. And with a solution. Because we come, <laughs> we come up for solutions as long as it doesn't entail us getting involved. Mm. Maybe he can get some help at, you know, maybe he can call the 911. <laughs> maybe, hey, you know what? Ah, I can't go and pray. With, maybe, the, you know, they go call the pastors and pastor's hands. Oh, man, I can't. I see the need there, and I can't sow into that life because, hey, you know, they should go get another job. They followed him to experience the supernatural. And when the opportunity came to see the supernatural, they wanted to push it away. Mm -hmm. 
Why is this important? The provision was in the inconvenience. Does that make sense to you? The provision came through the inconvenience. And this is the word that we need, the word that makes us uncomfortable, which leads us to point number two is that it's an invitation to action. It's an invitation to action. Verse three says, then Jesus went up to the mountainside and he sat with them. Verse five, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he asked Philip, Philip, I want, I want to know what you think. I already know, like we read in verse six, right? I already know what I'm going to do. I want to know where you're at. I know because the word of God says that he told Moses, I am who I am. So there's no identity crisis in me, says the Lord. I know who I am. Do you know who I am? I know what I'm about to do in this place. Do you know? Are you aware of what I'm about to do? And um, as he asked, as he asked Philip, and then he asked, and, and, and um, Andrew that speaks up, it brings two perspectives. And can, can I... Peel this layer a little deeper. See, and, and we're gonna we're gonna move a little bit into psychology really quick. And I was looking up, and there's two ways that we process information. We process information bottom up or top bottom. Everybody say bottom up, bottom up. top bottom, bottom up, bottom up. top bottom. Those are the two ways that every human being processes information. And what does that even mean, Pastor Will? Let me explain. This microphone. Bottom-up mentality, we can explain by our senses. If I were to ask you, what do you see here? You're going to tell me I see a black, big microphone with a, uh, somebody say, with a gray ball on top this morning. A uh, ball, and it has a little light. And when you speak on it, I can, I can hear, because that's what your senses tell you. Now, if I were to ask... Isaiah or Gabriel, what do you see? They'll see, okay, I see a sure mic of 27 megahertz that is running uh, through a frequency of, 90, I'm just, 94.5, and the batteries that you need are two uh, triple, double A batteries, and what happens is that it sends a signal through the uh, frequency, uh, a solar eclipse of, of the of frequency that goes through the board, and the board sends is magnetic uh, frequencies uh, through the speakers because they are speaking from top bottom what happens is that they've been exposed and have knowledge about it that you and I haven't been exposed to so Jesus is telling his disciples where I come from what I've been exposed to I see more than what you can see so uh, here's Philip processing information top bottom he's like 5,000 one two three four five 5,000, bottom up. Uh, that will be half a year, this is what we read. If we multiply, we're making $35,000 a year. <laughs> because he could only explain what his senses. And how many of us know in this room that we serve the God that is not a natural, he's a supernatural God. He's not dictated by logic. 
Testament? Have you read the New Testament? This is the most illogical thing. He talks about being born again. That's what the man came to him. I was like, what do you mean be born again? Can I get back into my mother's womb? He talks about losing your life to earn it. He talks about giving away. God works in the supernatural. Yes. He works top, bottom, because of what he's been exposed to. So I think that many of us, we look at our lives and the way we process things is bottom up. I made this amount, I gotta pay this. I don't, I'm not qualified, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a degree on that. I can't speak to people, I can't pray with people. And God is like, you're looking at yourself on your own, you're not looking at yourself in my hands. What can I do with what seems to be not enough? Yes, there were simply five loaves and two fish in the little boy's hands. It was different when he was in Jesus' hands. And I think that that's where we make the mistakes. We, we live by sight, by eyesight. And he's like, faith is totally opposite of that. Faith is what you don't see, but what you know. And I think that as you walk this Christian walk and you see him perform miracles, that you've been exposed to more and that you know that he can do more now that you can speak and say he shall supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory that is speaking from top bottom because you know so it doesn't need to look like he's supplying for you to know that he's supplying it's crazy man can I choose what I know over what I see and it was, this was a setup for Jesus to reveal who he, who he is. If you read chapter six and seven, he talks about the I am statements. Later down the line in that chapter is where he says, I am the bread of life. He was trying to tell him, you guys are crying and whining about bread when you're standing in front of the bread. You guys are crying and whining about provision when you're standing in front of provision. And it's crazy because Moses asked him, Lord, they're going to ask me, who are you? I am. He's like, yeah, can you give me a last name, please? He says, I am that I am. That's cute. That's a good news. <laughs> That's cute. But what does that even mean? He says, I am blank. I am healing. I am provision. I am restoration. I am who I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. The seven I am statements. Verse 8 and 9. Are y'all still with me? Y'all yes. still with me? Yes. Another of his disciples, Andrew, like I said, Simon's a tag along. Simon's Peter's brother, he spoke up and he says, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small. He, he's like minimizing. He's like, He has bad bread and he only has two small fish. It's not that good. <laughs> he's, like, he's like minimizing. Isn't it what we do when God asks us to bless someone else? Lord, but you know that if I take out these, you know, when we do the tally of the numbers, you know, can you ask such and such? He makes more money than me and because all I have is the bad bread and two small fish. How far? I mean, 
What kind of an impact where 5,000 plus can, can this? What, why are you calling me? I'm not qualified. I'm not enough. I'm underqualified. There's 5,000 people out there and you want to use me? And like I said, this is the only time that Andrew speaks in the entire Bible and I'm glad that he spoke up because I want you to understand Jesus will never demand something out of you that he hasn't already placed in you. Anything that you feel that God, this is too, why are you demand? It's in you. Pastor, but you prayed over my life and you say I have this gift and you want, and I need to be used, it's in you. God will never demand something out of you that he didn't seal you with. Which leads me to my last point. There, there's more than meets the eye. Transformers? There's more than meets the eye. What met the eye was five fish, five loaves, two fish, 5,000 people. The math doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense. There's no way. But Jesus was telling them there's more than what you could see. There's an endless supply in me, more than you can see. I want to use you in a greater way than you can see right now. See, by yourself, you're not enough, but in me, you are more than enough. And you can say, Pastor, this is such a great message, but this is a bad time. Perfect. Pastor, this is a great message, but if you only knew my finances, perfect. You see, the reason that God operates in inconvenient times is because he can take the glory. If your resources, if your intelligence, if your resume could do it, you would take all the glory. But he does it in a way that there is no question that this was God. People need to look at your life and say, hey, you know what? Rob, there's a, you, that had to be God. Even the rocks will speak. And if we were to evaluate our lives, and we were to truly think about times of inconvenience that the Lord has brought something and we've pushed it away. I came to tell you this morning that you've pushed away your miracle. The Bible says that not only did they eat, they had enough to take. You know that very same thing that you don't want to do that the Lord has called you to do? <laughs> if you can close your eyes and think about it for a second, oh yeah, that? because it's inconvenient and the first reaction is to push it away, that's the very thing that will unlock your miracle. Sometimes we've prayed for so many things and the Lord brings it in. After he brings it, we're like, oh, but I don't want it. The Lord's like, this is what you prayed for. This is what you prayed for. I shared with you that the other day I felt overwhelmed. Can I be honest with the English crowd? Yeah. I felt overwhelmed. I told Marianne, working a full-time job, full-time ministry, husband, father, 
all of the above, calls all day, preparing for in the word, preparing for recalibration, something that we're doing, preparing for all these things. And I said, the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm tired. He said, he said, you let me know because there's others that want to do it. And he took me back to that 18, 19 year old boy that cried out and said, Lord, I want to be used by you. I used to cry myself to sleep every night being a kid. God, God, give me a platform to preach. Give me, like, let go, Lord, I want to be used by you. And he's like, you let me know if you're tired. You let me know if you're exhausted, oh, Pastor Will. You let me know if this is too much for you because there's others that are willing to do it. I felt so convicted in my spirit. I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry. Because I'm thinking it's me. I could do it with my strength. It's like, no. All you have, Will, is five pieces of bread and two loaves of fish. You can't do anything. And I close with verse 6. I don't know for who this verse is this morning, but I know it's for someone. I want you to know that your pain, he already had it in mind. That divorce, he already had it in mind. Your spouse, the difficulties with your spouse, he already knew he was going to do it. Difficulties with your children, he already knew. See, we live in the sovereignty and the will of God and nothing, he's not improvising with his children. Don't you think for a second that your life and your situation caught him by surprise? It didn't. The Bible says, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So you have two choices this morning. You can see his provision and what he can do from the bottom up or top bottom. And as I prayed for this message, I am more convicted than, always, than, any, than any time in my life that There's not, there's not a lack of provision. There's a lack of priority. How can we serve a God that's not enough? I wouldn't sign up, I wouldn't sign up for that. You're God and there's not enough? It doesn't make any sense, right? He is more than enough. But he is not, not we. This morning, as, as the worship team leads us, I, I, I've prayed about this moment all week. And I was, Lord, what is it that you want to do at New Vision? We have so many things that we are planning and we're thinking about, and, and we end up at, at the bottom line of the conversation that there's not enough. It's one of my comebacks to the Lord. We don't have enough manpower. We don't have enough resources. We only have five pieces of bread and two loaves of, two, two fish. And he tells me, Will, I already know what I'm going to do. I want to know if you believe it. I have a plan. I didn't come unprepared, did you? For I already know what I'm going to do. I already know what I've been exposed to. I know who I am. I am the bread of life. I know who I am. Do you know who I am and what I can do? 
was like, okay, you got me. <laughs> you got me. I've been thinking bottom up. I've been thinking there's not enough. And it's like, of course, you don't have enough, but I have enough. I have more than enough. And as of, as of February 28th, Marianne and I, in our household, we are we're embarking in a journey of faith. I believe God is going to do something different. And we're believing God for that. Because I believe that he's demanding 100%. And my first thought, God, is not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough, Lord. And he's like, well, with you it's not, but I am the bread of life. You can keep cutting slices out of me and I'm eternal. There's bread for everyone. Even to pack it to take home. And as the worship team needs to say, if this has touched your spirit, if it hasn't, it's, I know it's not for everyone. I'm, I'm well aware. But if this resonates in your spirit and you're like, man, this has been me. I've been discontent about something and the Lord is like, I've been trying to get your attention. I've been, God, but it's not enough. And he's like, oh, you're thinking about your fish and your bread. It's me. I want you to stand to your feet. If this is you. As the team leads us, and this word has resonated in your spirit, and you stand, you say, God, here's my bread, here are my fish. In my hands, they can't go so far, but I know that in your hands, they can. Lord, and here's my mindset change it from a scarcity to an abundance mentality to understand that in you there's more than enough if this is you stand to your feet and let's worship god join us next week for another powerful word see you soon be blessed